Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. Chad Metz is not able to be with me this evening, but we uh, had an arranged uh, a meeting or a, uh, an interview with our good friend Jim David of IGN.com. In the interview, we'll talk about uh, the State of the Academy Awards race, um, the issues with viewership and other issues that have cropped up in the lead up to this award season. And we'll also talk about uh, the first footage from um, the upcoming uh, new Martin Scorsese movie, uh, Killer of the Flower Moon. We'll also talk about his reaction to the Batman and his, and we will also preview Moon Knight as well, coming from Marvel at the end of the month. We'll also probably throw in some Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and uh, just get his general thoughts on where we stand heading into that film as well. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. And welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. We have our good friend and IGN Movies Editor, Jim Davida, on the line. How are you, Jim? I'm well, thank you. Thanks, as always, for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for making time for us today. I know you're, you're extremely busy with all the, the Oscar and award season going on and all the IGN things going on, so we appreciate you making time for us. So um, what is your, what are your thoughts on the poll that is up on IGN.com right now about whether or not they will, people will watch the Oscars and, and where those results stand, you know, at this moment, because it, it looks very damning to the Academy. Yeah, the uh, it's not <laughs> nobody's going to watch is basically <laughs> the uh, the perfect uh, 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 sort of summation of all that. Uh, at least no one in our audience really cares. I mean, it's like something like 90 to nine or something the last time I checked. Um, uh, but I think I think at this point, I don't they should just move this to be um, uh, something that's just a YouTube player or social only because not that anyone in IGN's social audience cares about the Oscars. All, pretty much anything we post on that is just sort of like DOA in terms of like social interest. But um, but I think that where, where they could improve is if they did realize that people are basically only watching the snark, um, they might as well just do the whole thing via youtube or or um i mean if it's abc hell just put it on disney plus you know <laughs> he can just stream it or something um but i don't know i i feel like ultimately the ratings isn't at least that's not what it's about for academy members but for the academy it's certainly a source of you know the oscar broadcast licensing has been a source of revenue in the past but you know, the ratings have been significantly declining in recent years as I really feel with the advent of streaming and um, and definitely social media, like people are will watch highlights of it, right? It's kind of like Saturday Night Live. Uh, I, I never watch it live anymore. But I will watch all the YouTube, like, or oh, several, like, YouTube clips that they put out. So I almost feel like there's, they have to stop thinking so traditionally about it as a TV broadcast. But I mean, I don't know. It's, it's it, ultimately, it's about reward the industry, a, a members only club 
awarding their own. Um, and, you know, it's not about the people at home. I know it's, that's not meant to be snobby. It's just a statement of fact. It's not about, it's not the people's choice awards, you know? And so, you know, I'm not even sure if most of the voters have seen these movies. Certainly, I don't know anybody outside of film Twitter who's seen Licorice Pizza. Or even like, that. like, isn't that like a weird dynamic considering so many of the best picture and just overall nominees are streaming? Like, it's easier now, at least the last couple of years than ever, to get access to Academy Award nominated films. And no one is still picking them up and watching them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Power of the Dog is is kind of a, I don't want to say it's an exception, but it, at least by virtue of the promotion that Netflix gave it, and it's, you know, got Benedict Cumberbatch in it, you know, it's like people, people are, um, you know, people have uh, at least seen that one, right? Like, the, I also think like the, the, um, the preciousness in the past about like, um, about this stuff is kind of hypocritical on the Academy's part since they did for most of these movies they would send out DVDs or digital screeners to members you vote online yeah you know so it's it's uh I mean I definitely think it's uh Netflix's uh to lose or or uh Apple's you know I think Coda's uh Coda was Apple right yeah yeah um, they uh you know, there it's going to be one of those two. If it's a theatrical release movie, then probably Belfast. But I think at this point, it's it's. I I think Coda could pull an upset. What do you do? You think that we are destined for back to back female best director uh, winners? I probably probably. However, I will say that um, the. You know, Jane Campion's comments at the Critics' Choice Awards, I feel certainly have probably hurt her in the last week of voting, but how much of that vote was already in, right? It's probably, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if voting is traditionally front-loaded or if everyone waits to the last minute. You know, it's like early voting, right, in the presidential election or something like, or we're still waiting on ballots from overseas, that kind of thing. Like, um, I, I if, if it... If it were in the last week that the majority of the voting, I think she probably did hurt herself, but was it enough to, were enough of the other people campaigning for best director, one, uh, good at it, and two, were their movies seen and liked? Like, I feel like it, it it's down to her and probably Brenna because it's sort of like, it's his time kind of thing. And in Belfast was legit, it was probably my favorite movie last year in terms of like best picture material stuff um and i i think it's you know uh in the message of the movie right now and uh it's you know clearly completely not intentional but you know a story about um regular people caught in uh a war especially between closely related ethnic groups is you know timely so i don't know i th i think she probably will eke out the win but she's certainly i mean she's beyond just the oscar she she damaged herself personally as like you know 
And I know that they're trying to put it in their rear view mirror and everything, but like people are going to remember that about her, at least on, you know, I don't think mainstream media necessarily covered it, but for anybody in the online world, like that'll always be there, you know? Yeah. And, and it's disappointing because her work is exceptional in that, in that film. And uh, the film is, is very layered and, and very well done. And it's, it's a shame that that, that had to happen. Um, why has Spencer and Kristen Stewart just died off? Like, I, I think you, I think you said on Twitter uh, a while back that like it was one of the one of the quickest falls that you could remember in terms of a best actress nominee. So so why do you think that happened? Was it the studio not uh, campaigning hard enough for her? Was it just that she got passed up by other performances? Is it just Jessica Chastain's time? Like what 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 are your thoughts? I think there's something to like stuff that we necessarily might not be privy to, but like I think. Chastain is probably a better campaigner. Uh, it's also, you know, her time, if you will. She's been, uh, you know, nominated several times and not won. Um, I don't think they want to make her her generation's Glenn Close, you know, at this point. But um, so I think there's part of that. But also, too, like, I don't know is I don't know if Kristen Seward is well liked in the industry or not. I I give her the benefit of the doubt, she's certainly campaigning very hard for it. I thought she was exceptional. I really did. I, th- I thought, like, if she wins, I'd be completely fine with it. I'd also be fine with Chastain winning. Um, I mean, that it's, I think it's the, of the playing the two people kind of thing, uh, playing real life characters thing. I think Tammy Faye is obviously the showier role and there has been so much Diana stuff out there, uh, you know, over the years, including just last year or so with the crown that like, I don't know, I think maybe it's it's sort of um, a, a sense of, you know, maybe just a sense of kind of fatigue with all that. I don't know. I mean, it could also be that other actors just didn't like her work enough. I mean, she was snubbed by SAG. Maybe, maybe it's only, you know, those of us who aren't actors that, you know, were in love with that performance, you know, it's, it's possible, you know? Yeah. I I just, it's, it's an interesting dynamic for me that she got bypassed a lot in the guilds, which of course, as you know, the guilds represent the different branches that vote in the Academy that she ended up still getting a nomination kind of surprised me, but I, I do kind of agree with you that that Chastain seems to be the front runner there. Um, do you foresee any kind of switcheroo happening during the broadcast the way that happened last year? Do you prefer see them moving a category or doing something like that? And what is what is your thought? What are your thoughts on chopping the the major categories or a couple a few of the major categories off the, the live telecast? I'll start with this second one first. It it's wrong. It's this again. If this is that that's a decision about a broadcast, and this is about the industry awarding its members for what they perceive as the best work of the past year, and that goes for all members, all branches, right? It's not just famous people. You know, the sound editor is just as vital to a movie as any other crew member, right? So, um, so I don't agree with 
them being cut. Uh, you know, I I know people at home might not care, but uh, I don't care that they don't care because it's not, again, it's not the People's Choice Awards. It's not about, the. we've got the thinking about the Oscars all wrong, you know, but it's also the Oscars fault for that. Um, you know, they've, they've made it about, you know, tune in and watch who wins and you know if people don't care then you know but uh as to the first part do i think there'll be any shifting of categories no i think they're gonna go tried and true this year i think last year was um uh, a bad decision and um it just yeah it's not worth it just you know just just do the best show you can and uh don't don't f it up <laughs> yeah i i my thing has always been that like for film people like for for kids for young people who are just getting into film the way that me the way that me and you got into film you know when we were younger like this is their only opportunity to hear a costume designer's name or a cinematographer's name or a, a composer a sound designer's name or a composer's name and find out about them and maybe go Google them and find out about their work and learn more about them and expand their knowledge of film. If you take that away, then you're really, to me, doing something that is harmful to the growth of the industry. And also too, like if, um, if you know, the Hollywood is trying to promote diversity and everything, well, what if some of these below the line um, uh, crew members that are that win are people of color and they're getting you know basically this is their moment to be on tv and be that uh example to the the kid at home that's like oh my god maybe i could do this you know um you know maybe you know they feel inspired by it so it's it's just it is a it is a mistake in a lot of levels to to take that away um from both the artists and from those in the audience who would would care. Uh, I know by and large people are just tuning in to probably just see famous people all dressed up, but again, it's not it's not about that. Indeed. So Jim, what were your thoughts on the Batman, the critical reception, the box office reception, and uh, where Warner Brothers goes from here with the uh, DC universe? Well, I, I love the movie. Um, I know that there is, you know, a not insignificant amount of critics who were lukewarm on it. I don't think anyone outright hated it. I, I did. I, I think I only read one fairly savage review that just said it was boring. But like, I think uh, I'm I'm not surprised because Matt Reeves is a really uh, solid solid filmmaker. I love the Apes movies and and his passion for this subject in particular batman is he's been very vocal about it and so um i'm very happy for him that the movie turned out as great as it did and that it has been as successful as it's been i'm not surprised that it's successful i'm surprised that a three-hour uh serial killer superhero movie um held up so well on its second weekend that to me is like for all the pissing and moaning about Oh, it's three hours long. Well, it obviously didn't hurt it in the long run because it's already past 500 million global. Um, so I, I think it's uh, in terms of where they go next, 
I think keep the universes separate, do your more comic booky stuff as you want and just treat everything else as kind of a la carte. And um, I am very interested in uh, what villains or in stories are going to try to do with the second one since can we talk spoilers on that yes yes we can we did a, we did a whole spoiler spot uh spoiler podcast so you're good oh, okay so i hope that the joker doesn't show up until the third movie like make him the final boss battle if you will to take a video game reference and i am very curious like considering where they left off and the idea of Batman now becoming a symbol of hope and the Gotham needing a district attorney, <laughs> would they bring in Two-Face? Uh, I just don't know. How do you do that story of his and not basically have the same beats as what was done in The Dark Knight? I, I would hate to see Two-Face not be in this grounded universe. He just lends himself easily to it. But I don't know how you do that story and work in Gordon and Batman and everything and not basically, once again, kind of retread either Long Halloween or Dark Knight. Indeed. And, and I'm interested to see. I agree because my pitch was always, you know, shortly after the Joker, we got all those rumors about a Joker 2. And my thing was like, if you're going to do that, then you might as well lead to batman being the end of that trilogy right um i think the opposite can be true here i think that you should do joker last if you're gonna if you're gonna bring him in as he was teased yeah i think i think we need to build to him because you really don't want to like you're just going to draw even more nolan comparisons right which were fair comparisons that you know the batman won't have existed without the Dark Knight kind of um, uh, setting the table, if you will, for how you could do a, a grounded, uh, you know, well, all of the Nolan ones, a grounded Batman film. Um, but uh, there's another idea too, or possibility, which is that the Penguin show could also be a way to introduce Harvey Dent and get his origin out of the way. And that way, when the Batman sequel happens, you can just dive right in with him already as Two-Face. And, uh, you know, the Penguin show could be a way to both bridge the gap of Cobblepot, um, uh, Cobblepot yeah. rising to, you know, up the ranks in organized crime and, you know, the new DA coming in to make sure that that doesn't happen. And yeah, a, a new mayor would need someone to help her in her fight against organized crime. Yeah, I mean, they're still there. I mean, there's clearly going to be a huge power grab with Falcone gone. So I feel like the Penguin show could be get all that connective tissue out of the way, introduce Two-Face, basically take a, a page from the Marvel Disney Plus playbook, introduce these characters. And then when you get to the movie, you're, you'll be on board. Indeed. Speaking of Disney Plus and Marvel, have you seen the Moon Knight screeners yet? I have. I can't talk about it, though. I'm under embargo. Indeed. Um, I think we're all just looking forward to something different from them, for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see how you lead from Moon Knight into uh, Multiverse of Madness, which looks like its own kind of crazy. So yeah. what are your thoughts on 
what are your thoughts on Multiverse of Madness and what to expect from the MCU in terms of the Illuminati being confirmed by Empire, allegedly? Um, I think it's a very clever way to, to do it. I think between, um, between Professor X coming back and the Toby and Andrew and everything, um, I don't know if we're really going to get recastings. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting with Fantastic Four, how they do it. I suppose they'd all be variants then, but, you know, what are the rules of who gets to be, um, you know, who's a double and who isn't kind of thing. Um, I think with uh, Multiverse of Madness, which I, uh, which I can't wait to see. It looks, it looks super cool. And I'm loving the, uh, the, the heel turn from uh, Scarlet Witch. Um, I think that they will probably, that could end up being as sort of a a piece of necessary viewing for everything that comes after it. Like it's going to be, it has to be, you know, it'll clearly be that one Marvel movie you can't skip if you're going to, you know, be all caught up in time for whatever the, the next version of Endgame is, right? Um, I am curious to see where they're going to, like what exactly, what doors are they opening there? Because Loki was so important with the whole sacred timeline stuff uh, and, you know, all the multiverse of it all. Like, are we, are we, going to get that big multiverse war or is that just going to be like something that's just sort of addressed in uh loki season two and we're in the the actual end game if you will is going to be a, a different event entirely uh i feel like it, it i feel like this multiverse stuff is probably inevitably going to end up with some sort of like battle world kind of storyline from the comics right where all the universes get collapsed into one um if I'm remembering that comment. Yeah, that, well, that's that's also what Kang says, right, in uh, in Loki. He's like, you know, there was a multiversal war. I ended up winning. I created the sacred timeline to help prevent this stuff from ever happening again. And and we go from there. And I think that the same, a similar thing has to now happen where you end up with a multiversal war. Um, the interesting thing, as you pointed out, is who, you know, who they re- who they cast and what variants they use and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Fantastic Four, particularly. I mean, it it would be it would be very funny if they did get Chris Evans to come back as Human Torch and you know the 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 original gang of them because y- you look at those movies and tonally they're not they're pretty close to the MCU tone. They're just not very well done, but the tone and the sort of balance of, you know, humor and warmth uh, is there. It's just, you know, they just didn't know how to do Dr. Doom and they didn't know how to, um, uh, you know, the, the, the special effects, <laughs> the special effects were of their time and stuff. I have to say, I'm not, I didn't hate the thing suit. Because I, I still think that Roger Corman thing suit is pretty good, you know. Uh, I thought the the digital thing from the Josh Trank one was terrible. 
Oh. Yeah, um, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We don't talk about that film. <laughs> that that film got made here. <laughs> we don't talk about that film ever. It's the curse of your town. There we go. Right it, it, it is the the number of stories, Jim, that that me and Chad both heard while they were filming that movie here were just we were privy to all the Josh Trank, uh, Simon Kinberg stuff before it got out to Hollywood. Um, so, so we had we had heard all that all those stories. So, so yeah, that's that's the movie we never talk about. Um, so, so Jim, let me get you out on this because it's it's all of course. Whenever you come on the podcast, we have to talk Killers of the Flower Moon. Apple Plus, as we mentioned earlier in the show, has been putting out awards-worthy content. Um, your thoughts, sir, on the first little bit of footage that we've seen from Killers of the Flower Moon? Jesse Plumman's rolling straight from his Oscar nomination into that role, and just your expectations for that film coming coming forward. Well, I can't wait to, to see it because um, uh, I'm really, uh, yes, I love Scorsese, all of that, but um, I'm uh, very into Native American history, and I'd heard of this case before, and um, uh, and I read up, actually, I, I know it's a completely different tribe. This is the Osage. But I, I remember reading about like um, like 20 years ago, reading about uh, when oil was discovered in Indian territory, which is now Oklahoma. And that like, and it just reminded me sort of of like, all of a sudden now there's just this rush of people like it went from being, well, this is your guys thing. It, it, this making up for kicking you off your land uh, in the Southeast. Well, you know, all of that. And then the minute oil was discovered, it's like, well, not so fast. And so I think it's a, um, uh, just the the topic of the, the story and the chance to see, you know, native uh, American actors in a Scorsese film. And, and the fact that he is a, a a director that is so into like the anthropology of of the subjects that he studies like particularly the mob uh you know and um like the way he like age of innocence or silence or like he gets into the details and i feel like this could be the most one of the most interesting movies about you know uh native americans to ever get made i mean at least one that's not set in the uh, 19th century, right? Like it's 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 a chance to tell. It's weird to call it contemporary when it's the 1920s, but like uh, at least a, a slightly more modern story about Native Americans on a on a large scale. Um, but yeah, so that's my long-winded way of saying I'm very interested in it. When do I think we'll get the first footage? Well, there, there was there was like a few seconds of footage in that uh, that 2022 trailer that that uh, Emma's that Apple TV put out or Apple Plus put out, but it wasn't it wasn't much that you could really uh, discern from it. But like, I'm hopeful we get a trailer at some point in in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 become very tough for me to guess when trailers will drop because you used to they used to be around like major events or ball games or whatever and now it just seems like tuesday like that's that's fun like there's the the way it's like the whole think like your prey and you can trap them thing like i used to be really great at that and now i'm like especially when it comes to marvel i'm like 
fuck if I know, man. <laughs> they put things out on a Sunday night now. Like I have no idea. I can't, I can't, I can't outthink these guys anymore in terms of like when they're gonna do an uh, and like the Super Bowl is still the easiest one to guess, right? Is the Super Bowl. Other than that, it's kind of like like I had people ask me today, do you think there's gonna be any trailer drops during the Oscars? And I'm like, one, who's gonna spend money on an ad for such a low-rated show? But two. Uh, I don't know, and I doubt it, but maybe Disney. I'll ask Disney. And the I, the I, only I, one that I can remember in recent years that did that was Netflix doing it for The Irishman. Yeah. Yep. That that's the only one that I could think of. Yeah. And I and I know that stuff makes your job so much more fun. You know. Well, maybe then the answer is we'll get it uh, during the Oscars when Apple drops Killers of the Flower Moon trailer or something. Yeah, like, hey, if you think Coda is good, just wait till we see what we gave Scorsese to do this. I mean, it's possible. You're going to make me send an email, aren't you? I'm gonna, <laughs> it's a very, it's actually a very, uh, uh, huh, yeah, I'm going to send that email. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's just something I always remember because me and you are both Scorsese fans. And we, like, I remember specifically the fact that they did it while Roma was on its run. And I'm like, are they trying to set up for twenty for, for like a, an Oscar run next year by doing this? Like, the, this is the audience for it, right? <laughs> like, the people who watch the Oscars are your target fan base for that movie. So, like, it it, it was interesting to me that they did it a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I think uh, um, it is an interesting tactic, and with streamers having like either a Netflix or an Apple movie is going to win best picture this year. Right. Like that's just how it's shaking out to be right now. So why wouldn't they tout themselves during the, you know, during the broadcast? I mean, do you think they, do you think the Academy would get the workaround by saying the BBC had a hand in the funding for power of dog. And so therefore that's their, they're working around for giving it the recognition. I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think they just. I think the the themes and the subject matter of the movie appeals to the Academy. I think, you know, Jane Campion's past work, Cumberbatch, like another. Oh, it could be his time, but I, I think it's a. I don't think he's going to win Best Actor. I think. I think. I feel like Will Smith you know, was yeah. great in King Richard. There's, there's your it's his time thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think it really is. It's it's up to him and Chastain. It's theirs to lose, right? But if anybody was going to beat him, I have a feeling it could be Andrew Garfield. I think there's a lot of goodwill around him. Um, he is a fantastic actor. Um, you know, it's, I, it's possible. It's possible. Which is also funny because I like Tick Tick like I liked uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye and his performance there better than I did his performance in Tick Tick Boom. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I think there. Uh, I just I don't think there's any way Will loses. I think um, uh, he's got. Uh, you know, he's been so responsible for you know for the bulk of his career, not always, but for the bulk of his career, getting butts into movie theaters, right? Like, and if you're it's it's a good way to remind people that even though they put his movie uh, pretty much on on HBO Max at the same time, like he is he is a movie star and like you know one of the one of the last few. Yeah, you know, so I feel like um, he is uh, 
it's t- it's time to give uh, uh, him some uh, overdue, you know, recognition for his his serious acting work. You know, like he's obviously he's great in like action stuff and comedies, but he's done a lot of fine dramatic work going all the way back to Six Degrees of Separation. So it's it's it is his time. You know, like I think he's very much earned it in King. Ri- King Richard was great, you know, and uh, yeah. So, but if anyone, I, I, I think Garfield more than Cumberbatch has a chance to beat him. Do you think that Kristen that uh, Kirsten Dunst has a shot? Nah, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. <laughs> I, I just thought I thought like so. I'm a big um, Sofia Coppola fan. And I love the work that those two have done over the last 20 years. And I feel like she hasn't gotten nearly as much run out of that partnership as she should have. And I was hoping that this would be her big comeback moment. She got nominated, but, uh, but you're right. It, it is not looking good when you go over on the, uh, on the guild circuit. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, I will say it'd be very interesting that uh, Anita from West Side Story will join the likes of Vito Corleone and Joker for winning people Oscars <laughs> for the same role, two di- different actors for the same role. In- indeed, uh, because like that, you know, that's part of the reason why I was surprised West Side Story, I mean, uh, uh, A Star is Born didn't get more run a couple of years ago because I, I really thought Gaga um, had a real shot there, but uh you know, it, that was also a remake that's been awarded every single time it's been made. <laughs> but, but Jim, we, we appreciate you. We appreciate what you do for this podcast and, and best of luck and all with, with AGN and, and all the things that y'all have got coming up with, you know, actual physical cons to attend and trailers to cover and, and all the other things. So we appreciate you. And, and, uh, you know, if there's anything we can do on this end to promote you and your, your work at IGN, we'll be more than happy to do that. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. I always appreciate uh, the kind words and the mutual support. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being on your show again in the future. Oh, for sure. Thank you very much and have a pleasant evening.